Hello, hola, and konnichiwa. I am your host, Daniel Gumby Freeland, and this is the Prelim Primer, the one and only podcast fully dedicated to the curtain jerkers. I, of course, am talking about those fighting on the prelims of upcoming UFC fight cards. This weekend, the UFC heads to New York City for UFC 244, Masvidal versus Nate Diaz for the baddest motherfucker title. It's a fight we're all excited about. But of course, because this is the prelim primer, we are only focused on the prelim portion of that card. Now, I'm sure a lot of you who are new to the show are wondering to yourselves, why just focus on the prelim portion of this card? This card has got an absolute banger at the top and a crazy good pay-per-view main card. And the answer is quite simple, is that you know how you feel about Masvidal versus uh, Nate Diaz. You probably know how you feel about some of the other fights on that main card. But there are some names on this prelim card, and, and granted, there are a lot of names you know, but there are some names on this prelim card that you might not know all that much about, and we think that that's where you can earn a lot of money in gambling and in daily fantasy sports. And speaking of daily fantasy sports, I'd be remiss if I did not mention that this episode of the Prelim Primer is exclusively brought to you by BSMMA.com. BSMMA.com is changing the way that you play daily fantasy sports for MMA. And the reason's quite simple is because they no longer make you use things like salary caps. You don't have to worry about arbitrary point systems where you're losing based on the amount of significant strikes your fighter lands. And what's a significant strike anyway? Nobody can seem to agree on that. It's all a really silly way to lose money in daily fantasy sports when you could be just showing us how much you know. And that's what BSMMA is all about, showing us that you know things about MMA. And you can do that by choosing just five winners, just how they win, in the rounds they win. You just pick the five you're the most confident in, and that's it. You watch your points rack up. And if you head over to bsma.com, they've got a great bunch of contests going on right now with guaranteed prize pools. So check those out, and you can check out their free contest for some BSMMA swag. Head on over there, make your picks today. And to help you out with those picks over on BSMMA.com, I have enlisted the help of another savvy co-host. Joining me today from Fansided MMA, Benny Abrigo. Benny, thanks so much for stopping by yet again. My pleasure. Happy to be here and happy to talk about an honestly pretty good slate of prelim fights here. Yeah, honestly, I was looking at the list of prelims before we, we got started here, and I was thinking to myself, it looks like a main event or like a main card on like like a Sweden card or like some European card. Like, honestly, there's like three or four fights on these prelims that could main event a free card. Yeah, really great stuff. Good match. Good matchmaking here, I think closely matched fights and and a great mix of like prospects and and veterans i love it yeah i love it too well there's only one thing else to do now and that's to put five minutes on the clock all right we're gonna start these prelims by talking about Corey anderson versus johnny walker Corey anderson has won three in a row including iller latifi glover Teixeira, and patrick cummins all decision wins he's gonna be fighting the prospect johnny walker three and oh all fast knockout wins over Misha Serkinov, Justin Ledet, and Khalil Roundtree. So the only fighter who sort of given Johnny Walker any thoughts about wrestling was Misha Serkinov, and he got knocked out probably the quickest of the three. Do you think Corey Anderson can give him trouble in the wrestling department? I do. Uh, and I, Corey Anderson is a guy who's never really wows people with his athleticism or, or big finishing ability or anything like that. But I've always been kind of high on him. I know there's questions about his chin. Um, but going back even a little bit further in Johnny Walker's career, if you look at his his contender series Brazil bout, I know he's probably 
gotten better since then. That was back in 2018. Uh, but you see that fight, and he does not look like a guy who is ready for Corey Anderson. Definitely not the pace that Corey Anderson can can give him. Um, so honestly, I know Corey Anderson's a small underdog here, but I think you know Johnny Walker. Yes, big, flashy, obviously super athletic and dangerous early. Uh, but that's kind of how he fights the entire fight. He is not efficient at all. Um, I see Corey Anderson coming from that really, really good camp with, uh, you know, Mark Henry and Ricardo Almeida. I see him ready to avoid problems early uh, and and repeatedly put Walker on his back and, and gas him out real quick. Yeah, I'm a little bit worried about Johnny Walker's gas tank as well. I assume he's probably been working the takedown defense here, but I am of a firm belief here that if this fight lasts more than a round, it's Corey Anderson's to win, easily. Like, if you're thinking about betting this card, you bet Johnny Walker in the first, or you bet Corey Anderson in the second or third, because I don't think Johnny Walker is going to be able to put it on him late. That being said, I do think that, you know, if you look back at those two back-to-back knockout losses to Jimmy Manawa and Ovin St. Preux, I mean, like, he got stung real freaking hard, and that's a big concern for me. Uh, it seems like you're leaning towards Corey Anderson, though. Uh, what's your official pick on this one? I'm going to go Corey Anderson, uh, third-round stoppage. I just I, – I got too many questions about Johnny Walker's cardio at this point. I've got too many questions about his cardio, too, but yet still here I am. <laughs> I'm going to take Johnny Walker by first-round knockout. I think he gets the he's able to tag him. I mean, he surprised me. I, I picked against him against Misha Serkinov, but here I am. Uh, I'm going to take him here against Corey Anderson instead. Uh, and that's going to bring us to our second fight, which is also a couple of really nice prospects. And the first one is Shane Burgos versus Maquan Amirakani. Burgos, 5-1 and one in the UFC, his only loss being to Kelvin Cater. He recently beat Cub Swanson by split decision. He's fighting Maquan Amirakani, who is also 5-1 and one in the UFC, with his only loss being a split decision loss to Arnold Allen. Uh, he most recently subbed Chris Fishgold by Anaconda Choke. A couple of really impressive prospects, but both of them have completely contrasting styles in this one. Like you said before, some really great matchmaking. I don't even know what to ask you about this fight. What sparks your interest when this fight starts? I mean, for me, I, I'm high on both guys, but I was particularly high on Makwan Amirakani coming into the UFC. Um, and then he kind of, you know, he's been inconsistent with how often he's been fighting. Uh, and I know he's been trying to add boxing back to his game. Uh, I'm excited to see if Makwan Amirakani can really get back to his wrestling, his top game, his submission attack from the top is really, really, really good. And I think he has the ability to give Shane Burgos problems. Shane Burgos is a really talented, pretty technical boxer. Um, I mean, that you go back and watch even his loss to Calvin Cater, and it's like, wow, this guy really knows how to throw hands. Um, I'm not sure if he has enough power, really, to keep Makwan Amirkani off of him. And I know Amir Khani is kind of a, a decent sized underdog here, and that surprised me to be honest. Um, I think if Amir Khani is smart and doesn't play around too much on the feet here, he definitely has the tools to smother and maybe even get a, a tap on Shane Burgos. I don't know if that's likely, uh, but people I think are sleeping on Amir Khani's grappling and wrestling attack here. Yeah, I think so too. And, and the weird thing about Shane Burgos is you're, you're 100% right. He's like one of those very technical boxers, sort of what you expect out of a Tiger Showman fighter. Um, and he's really good in those regards. And yet I have no idea how his defensive wrestling looks. Like, I, I think I've seen him defend one takedown 
and I, that's all I can remember in recent history, right? Like, I don't think Cub Swanson went for a takedown. I don't think Kurt Hollibaugh had time to go for a takedown. I think Calvin Cater shot one. It was sort of half-hearted and just to open up the hands, and Burgos stuffed it. So, like, I, I don't know what to think of his wrestling defense. I think on the feet, he's gives Makwan Amirakani tons of problems. And for that, I sort of lean towards him for that reason, but it sounds like you're thinking you're going to go with Amir Khani by submission? Uh, I think Amir Khani by decision. I could see him getting a submission as well. Part of the issue is as good as Shane Burgos is on his feet, he's not a huge puncher. Um, So unless I think he can really hurt Amir Khani, I think Amir Khani will continue moving forward. But my official pick would be Amir Khani by decision. All right, well, I'm going to go with Shane Burgos. I'm going to go Shane Burgos by decision just because I think he's got the volume on the feet. And as long as he can stay off his back in a round or two there, I think he puts enough on Mirakani. Maybe not to take him out and hurt him, but enough to beat him up and slow down his wrestling game. So it sounds like we went opposite on the first two, and I think that that's going to be a trend on this whole card because there are so many nail biters in there. But we'll, of course, have to wait until round number two to talk about any more. We'll be right back. My favorite part about BSMMA.com is the create a contest option. Let me tell you why. The create a contest option at BSMMA.com is fully customizable. You can pick the amount of people you want in the contest, how much you want to wager on the contest. There's even different payout options on the contest. So check out the create a contest option because whether you're you're inviting friends, you're inviting people you know on Twitter, whether you're going to an old school messaging board and, and inviting a whole bunch of people on there, it doesn't matter. The create a contest option has got you covered. Now, let's head on back for round number two. And we are back with round number two. I'm going to put another five minutes on the clock. And we're going to start this round by talking about Brad Tavares versus Edmund Shabazian. Tavares uh, lost in his last fight, which lost a four-fight win streak. That that four-fight win streak was lost to Israel Adesanya, but that was way back in July of 2018. He hasn't really fought since then. Uh, and then we got Edmund Shabazian, who's 3-0 and in the UFC, with wins over Darren Stewart, Jack Marshman, and Charles Bird. This is by far the biggest competition that Shabazian has ever fought. It's a huge step up. Is it too much too soon for the 21-year-old? Absolutely love this fight. I honestly don't think it's too much too soon, partly because something you mentioned at the very top. Yes, Brad Tavares has really only fought the best of the best of the division, only lost to the best of the best of the division. Uh, but I think he's catch Edmund Shabazian is catching him at a right time now, uh, coming off this layoff, to be honest. Shabazian is a super, super fast starter, fights like what you would think a 21-year-old fights like, uh, like he has somewhere to be in the second round. Um, I think he gets after Brad Tavares here. This is a really, really tough kind of no-win situation for Brad Tavares here, being the vet, giving, you know, facing a 21-year-old stud that not a ton of people know about. Um, I think Shabazian's ready for it. He's a stud athlete, has good grappling, is confident with his striking. Maybe, maybe somebody with more skill can catch him on the feet. Um, but I think Brad Tavares is just not that guy, and it's it's kind of a it's a rough back-to-back fights for Brad Tavares here. Yeah, I kind of agree with you, too. And if you look at Brad Tavares' history, you know, in how many people he's knocked out, the number's not impressive, right? And and that's really the way he, I feel like he could beat Shabazian because he doesn't have a better gas tank than Shabazian, right? He doesn't have 
uh, better grappling than Shabazian. And, and if you're looking for his last knockout, he last knocked out, well, Robert Whitaker. But but that's sort of not the point. But it was a long-ass time ago. He knocked out Robert Whitaker all the way back in 2015. So it was almost, you know, half a decade ago at this point in time. I, I don't think he's going to be able to touch Shabazian speed-wise, grappling-wise, or physicality-wise, and probably not gas tank-wise. So as a result, I'm going Shabazian. Uh, I'm going to go first-round TKO. How about you? We're on the same page on this one. I like I like Shabazian early going a little bonkers in the first round. All right. I love it. So let's talk about another fight, and I have a feeling we'll be different on this one, too, and that's Andre Arlovsky versus Jair Reno Rosenstreak. Uh, Arlovsky picked up a much-needed win over Ben Rothwell by decision in his last one. He had lost four straight before that, which includes a split decision loss to Walt Harris, which is pretty impressive given where Walt Harris is now. Rosenstreak 2-0 with TKO wins over Junior Albini and Alan Crowder. The Alan Crowder one coming in just nine seconds. So I'm going to throw a stat at you that's pretty interesting. The last time there was a finish in an Andre Arlovsky fight, either for Arlovsky or his opponent, was January of 2017, almost three full years ago. Is Rosenstreak the person to break that streak? I think so. I think this, well, I think there's no way this fight goes the distance. <laughs> um, part of that is obviously Rosenstreak with that, you know, huge kickboxing background, great uh, power in his hands and his kicks. Um, he also, like, is a total novice on the ground. I think Arlovsky could really do work on the ground. Uh, if he can get it there. And I think Arlovsky might be able to get it to the mat, you know, early. Um, but I just don't see him being able to finish Rosenstreak early enough uh, before, you know, it, they start back on the feet in the second round. Um, I think Rosenstreak can finish Arlovsky. I know that's an interesting stat that you just shared. Um, and I think a lot of that is due to Arlovsky fighting much more intelligently and a little bit safer later in his career. But, I don't know. I think that road ends here. Uh, you got a guy in Rosenstrick who is an absolute killer on the feed. So you mentioned, too, that you thought that Arlovsky could probably beat him if it went to the ground. Do you think that that's something that Arlovsky and his game planning team has even considered? I think, I think especially early, I think he will maybe try to get a takedown. And I think maybe he thinks he can do that for 15 minutes. I just don't. I don't trust his ability to do that for 15 minutes now, even though, you know, I guess, like he said, he's coming off a decision win over Ben Rothwell. Yeah, which seems so crazy to say as like a sentence, like a decision <laughs> with Ben Rothwell. And if you look at the list of people who he's been in decisions with, too, it's kind of crazy to consider that all of these people have been in decisions. Rothwell, Augusto Sakai, Walt Harris, uh, Tai Tui Vasa, like Stefan Struve went to decision. Like, when have you seen a Stefan Struve fight go to decision? So, yeah, it, it's absolutely crazy. I'm, here's where I knew I was going to differ with you. I actually think Andre Arlovsky probably tires Yair Rosenstreak out here. Rosenstreak is a guy who's been to decision, I think, just one time in his career, and it was way back in Ryzen. And I really think he looked so slow and tired in the late second, early third round. So as long as Arlovsky stays away from that punch, and I think he's Ben's fighting so smart, I think he can do that. And I think he wins like a very sloppy crappy looking decision here uh so that's going to be my official pick how about you i'm going rosenstrick second round knockout similar very similar to his fight with uh junior albini is what would be my guess all right so that's going to do it for the end of our second round we got three more fights to talk about in the third round maybe we'll agree on a couple more in that one and we'll be right back after a word from our sponsors so we already talked about how 
BSMMA.com is focused on helping the people who know the most about MMA win at Daily Fantasy Sports by making it simple. Five fighters, five rounds, five methods, and that's it. But they also want to give you a bonus for knowing how the fight's going to go. That's right. You can get bonuses for knowing how you think the fight will play out. For instance, if you think the fight is going to end super quick, you can choose the Cinderella bonus and pick up an extra 15 points if your fighter gets it done in two and a half minutes or less. So if you know how the fight's going to go, get rewarded for it at BSMMA.com. Now, back for round number three. And we are back with round number three. I'm going to put another five minutes on the clock. And we're going to start this round by talking about Jennifer Maya versus Caitlin Chokagian. Maya, 2-1 in the UFC. She lost to Liz Carmouche in her debut, but followed that up by beating Alexis Davis and Roxanne Modafari. Chokagian's won 4-5 of five with her only loss being a split decision to Jessica I in that span. So Chokagian seems to win on what I call naked volume. Uh, what do you think... Do you think Maya has what it takes to overcome that sort of just like random output that doesn't seem to be landing? I actually do. Jennifer Maya is another one, kind of like Corey Anderson, that I'm consistently high on, even though she's not super flashy. Um, Chukagian has the length to maybe give her a problem here, but Jennifer Maya is actually a pretty skilled boxer, uh, pretty skilled striker all around uh, you know, knees, kicks as well, but really she does her best work with her hands. And I think, uh, she's going to be able to, you know, pounce on Chukagian every time Chukagian makes even the smallest mistake. Um, one thing I love that you're going to see Jennifer Maya do is she'll rip off like four five, six punch combinations here. I think that's just going to be too much for Chukagian who, who doesn't really have the firepower here to scare off Jennifer Maya either. Yeah. And I think that you said it right there at the end where you said Maya isn't going to be scared off by that firepower. And that's because Maya moves forward all the time. And like I said, Chokagian is mostly just throwing like blind volume at this point in time. So I think Maya moving forward, Maya being able to put Chokagian against the fence. And I'm going to be honest. I actually had Chokagian losing that last fight against Jojo Calderwood. So I'm going to go with Jennifer Maya. I'm going to go with her by decision. Cause I don't think she can get her out of there. How about you? I'm on the same page. I like Jennifer Maya by decision. All right, and the next fight we're going to talk about in this round is Lyman Good versus Chance Rencounter. So Lyman Good, 2-2 two two in the UFC. He was most recently subbed by Demian Maya. Certainly no harm in that. And then Chance Rencounter, he's 2-1 and one in the UFC. He lost to Bilal Muhammad on short notice. Followed that up with wins over Kyle Stewart and Ishmael Nardiev. Good has two vicious knockouts on his UFC resume. Uh, and Rencounter really hasn't faced anybody with serious knockout power. How do you think he does against it? I like him here. Uh, maybe, you know, he's from my my neck of the woods in the country, so maybe I'm a little biased on Chance Rencounter, but he is super, super tough, and he is not the type of guy who will uh, beat himself in a fight. He knows what he's good at, and he sticks to it. He's not a, a big knockout artist or anything, but he is absolutely huge, so is Lyman Good. Uh, but Chance Rencounter uses his size very well, and I see him wearing out Lyman Good, uh, maybe even a late stoppage here. Yeah, and I think to that point where, like, Lyman Good uh, seems to get beat by grapplers, too. And and don't get me wrong, I'm not calling Chance Rencounter the next Demi and Maya here. But he also got beat by Eliza Zaleski Dos Santos, who took him down and won a split decision. And, and if you go back to his Bellator days, you know, he got beat by a couple of guys who could grapple well there, like Rick Hahn and things like that. So, like, I'm not saying Chance Rencounter is those guys, but I'm saying the way that he uses his grappling is. And also, Lyman Good hasn't fought very many people who are this much bigger and this much stronger than him, right? Like, Lyman Good is an absolute powerhouse, 
And I actually think he has a strength disadvantage in this fight. I'm with you on this one. I'm taking Chance, and I actually think he gets a sub and gets him out of there. How about you? Yeah, I like Chance Red Counter third round. Uh, I was going to say TKO, so I'll stick with that. But I think we're kind of seeing the fight the same way. Yeah, I love it. So last fight we're going to talk about is Julio Ars versus Hakeem Dawudu. So Ars is... 3-1 and one in the UFC. He only lost a split decision to Shaman Marias. He's got wins over David Tamer and Dan Ige. And then we got Hakeem Dawudo, who is also 3-1 and one in the UFC. After getting stunned and subbed by Danny Henry in his debut, he rebounded with three straight. Most notably in that time was a split decision win over Kyle Bochniak. The thing that sticks out to me in this is that they're both so defensively strong in their stand-up. Do you think that it winds up playing out that technically, or do you think one of them gets suckered into a firefight? Uh, I don't know if it'll be a firefight. I do think we'll see Julio Ars maybe getting caught on his way in. He's a little bit at a speed disadvantage here, and I almost and I think a uh, power disadvantage here. He's a really good back taker, um, and I think he he might want to hunt that back against Dawadu, but I think Dawadu is is a little bit too refined and a little bit too quick. He's a guy that I've never really been able to decide if he's a legit uber prospect or not i think he might turn the corner here i think he might actually get a stoppage so you, you think that ours is is going to be looking for the takedown here because i tend to think the same thing i think he's going to be on the feet for two or three minutes realize it's not the right place and then go for the takedown uh do you think he sees any success there maybe early uh but again dawadu is a guy who he's getting past the prospect stage he should be able to wrestle with somebody like julio ours he should be able to defend his back against a guy like julio ours um, I'm not sure though. I, I, like I said, I think Dawadu can catch him coming in. I think is generally how I see his success happening in this fight. All right. I see it more as a back and forth on the feet. I, I think you're right. Uh, ultimately, I'm going to go with Hakeem Dawadu by, uh, decision. Cause I don't think he's going to be able to finish him. Ars is a little bit too tough for me to think and finish here. How about you? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think Dawadu hurts him, maybe even drops him, but I, I like Dawadu by decision. All right, and that's going to do it for all seven of these absolutely crazy prelims. It's sort of funny to think these two guys who are 3-1 and one in their UFC careers are going to be kicking off the night, but that is just how stacked of a card it is. Uh, ben, thanks so much for stopping by and talking about this crazy card with me. Oh, yeah, my pleasure.